This is a Dreamcast disc and is for use only on a Dreamcast unit. Playing this disc on a hi-fi or other audio equipment can cause serious damage to its speakers. Dreamcast, up to six billion players. Why don't we play together? Hey, 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 it's time to make some crazy money. Are you ready? Here we go! Please stop this disc now. Now, 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 now. Welcome to episode 32 of the world's greatest podcast called DreamPod. My name is Tom, and I'm joined by Rob. Hello! Nice to have you back, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've also got Mike. Hello. Hi. So it's it's quite a um, it's quite a West Country heavy, well, location wise oh. episode this time. Uh, keep your keep your cider and everything in check. We don't want it spilling all over the place. <laughs> it's pretty impressive, isn't it? I mean, like there must be like I don't know between me and Mike. I don't know how many miles. Like. 15 miles yeah less than well, that yeah. less than that and down to you tom it's got to be like about i don't know 70 miles as the crow flies something like that yeah which yeah, it's nice we've all come together with the same common interest which is obviously the dream cider oh, oh, sorry. The <laughs> dreamcast. I'm sorry it's the dreamcast oh man sorry i got, I got confused guys gonna mix it up a bit this episode because uh, what i usually do at the end is talk about like the itunes and all that kind of thing but what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna bring it up to the the top of the episode just so people can't turn off because i know what you do you listeners you you get to the end and when i start going we're gonna wrap it up now and you turn off and you miss this bit so just for you I'm bringing it right to the top of the episode and what I'm going to tell you is this if you listen to this on iTunes we'd really appreciate it if you go on there and leave us a review it doesn't have to be five star you know it can be a four star or even a one star if you think it's such a shit but uh, anything any feedback you've got please please give us on iTunes it just helps us with our, with our ratings and things another thing is that we've actually now started a Patreon which is not us begging you for money it's, well it, it technically is but really all we're asking is for people who maybe can spare like a dollar or five dollars a month to uh, just help us with the podcast hosting fees don't worry we're not going to take all your money and then disappear to the bahamas it's literally it's just we're looking to to basically fund the podcast so uh, it's business as usual on the junkyard and uh, yeah those are just the two announcements i just wanted to make at the top of the episode rather than at the end when everybody switched off okay on with the show guys we'll continue as we always do we'll talk about what we've played what we've picked up rob you've not been on the on the podcast for a while so i'm going to come to you first uh what have you been doing in the interim while you've been away well yeah i've been doing quite a bit i mean it's been months and months and months since i was last on um i think when i i last sort of uh left off i was on that massive saturn kick um because yeah because i've been awfully awfully unkind to the saturn um over many years and i uh, decided to get back into that so i've got a couple of a couple of pickups on many let's start with the saturn so the, the the one thing i want to talk about here just because of you guys just did that amazing shmup special which if people haven't listened to should definitely listen to i was uh i was i was gutted i couldn't be on next i really like my shmups and uh on, on saturn i picked up the salamander deluxe pack plus which is really cool uh it's got salamander it has life force which is essentially the same game but renamed slight tweaks i believe and then it's got the sequel um salamander 2 all on one disc it's the same crap the reason i like it is because you know gradius the yeah. that series it's the same ship the vic viper from gradius it's sort of like okay. this weird sort of crossover where that ship comes in here and anyway so i picked up salamander which is amazing i really really like that i'll get to the dreamcast right at the end <laughs> on, on, on the wii u i finally picked up the bayonetta 
special oh, yeah. edition with Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 together in, in one package. Um, I've sort of decided now that Wii U is one of these systems I'm actually going to collect for. I, I think it's, you know, it's got such a small library. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. It's quite, it's quite a limited library, but, but not, not limited in that it's not got loads of good games. It's just like, it's in num- numbers, I mean, limited numbers. So I agree with you entirely. Like, I think this is the point with the Wii. I know this is a Dreamcast podcast, but I've, I've finally come to this this sort of opinion of the Wii U that I actually think it's a really really solid system and I think in five years time I think it's going to be hipster's choice like yeah. the Dreamcast is now <laughs> yeah a bit, like, a bit like the Dreamcast is now I'm going to sort of get ahead of it like that second screen on the controller like that controller got massively panned but more and more games just keep dropping where that yeah. screen is really well used. Anyway, sorry, enough about the Wii U. <laughs> so I picked up that. Bayonetta, I don't need to tell people about Bayonetta. It's just insane. Um, and then finally we get to the Dreamcast. Now, this is going to sound really, really dull. Like These are not like like far-out, crazy pickups. The two pickups that I've actually picked up on Dreamcast are Echo the Dolphin okay, and cool. Crazy Taxi. Oh. I know, like, massive gap massive gap in my library the reason i picked it up was tom because we ran that um not the southampton event which we're going to talk about in a minute but what was the event before that in dorchester oh that was the um oh the greedy goblin con a greedy goblin con my daughter played crazy taxi for the first time and absolutely loved it you know Mm. she was like (laughs) obsessed with driving around and you know she's got to the age you know where i was like you know I, i want to wants to play more more sort of dreamcast games and i thought yeah crazy taxi is one of those games that she you know i I would like her to play more of and i looked at my collection i was like why don't i have this like this is crazy so i picked up both of those and yeah that pretty much oh wait no aha I can't let I can't let it go without <laughs> without one mention of the Neo Geo. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> I picked up Real Bout Special on the AES, which was sort of like a uh, like almost a opportunistic pickup. I just saw that somebody in Spain was selling this pretty cheap, and I uh, I pulled the trigger because uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably one of the better one of the the better games out of that uh, franchise. Was that fully boxed and everything, or was it the cat only? Or fully boxed. The only thing that takes it from not like technically 100% official is that the chap um, whoever owned it before actually laminated the manual and he's done a fantastic job but like the outsides of the manual are laminated Um, so it's in fabulous condition but I know like I mean seriously the Neo Geo crowd they would take one look at the manual see that it had it was beautifully laminated but it was laminated and would go it's it's dead to me yeah it's not it's not original it's not it's original. original it's been modified it's been modified, modified. <laughs> the pri- the price has been halved at least <laughs> Oh, it's cool. That's a good. Uh, it's a good spread. That Rob, a good spread across some different consoles. Cool. Cool. Yeah, nice one. Uh, okay, come to you next, Mike. Uh, since the last podcast, what have uh, what have you been doing on the Dreamcast or otherwise? Hello. It's a, it's a regular question. I can't actually remember what I've bought in the last few weeks. <laughs> that's a good start. Yeah, <laughs> it's is good. that what side you've been drinking? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Uh, no, I, I, on Dreamcast, I don't think I've actually bought anything uh, okay. in about two weeks now. Mm-hmm. So I sort of. Uh, <laughs> Two weeks. It's a drought. It's a drought. <laughs> I, I was well, I was planning to get the entire collection done by the end of this year, but um, that, that's not going to happen. So um, I think the only thing I've bought in the last couple of weeks uh, has been Uncharted Four. Oh, okay, nice. You two, nice. you're gonna you're gonna have some love in over Uncharted, aren't you? <laughs> Uncharted Four is is without a doubt the greatest game since Shenmue. Okay, right. I'm I'm just going to jump in here straight away. I have never played an Uncharted game. Not a single one. Okay. Is it better than Tomb Raider? And why? Yes. Why? It's it's not like Tomb Raider. 
I think it's the, the sort of the, the impression people get is that it's a very Tomb Raider-ish game because of the setting. It's not like it at all. It's 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 not platforming at all. Um, I know it's well, there, there are elements of platforming within Uncharted, but it's a lot more. Can I put this? It's a lot more on rails i suppose you could say okay i'm sure tom agrees with this because he's just played uncharted 2 i know yeah yeah you are kind of funneled like you know yeah. through the level it's scripted it's heavily scripted but the script itself and the acting um i don't think any games come even close to it it's it's just amazing the the quality of the acting the quality of the of the script sorry i don't want to get too sidetracked again but you know because i've been obviously i've seen the reviews and we ran a review on t3.com yeah that was very praiseworthy of the game but it seemed to me like it's like that classic push and pull most between like open world freedom and sort of like very well crafted narrative as you say like corridors or almost like funningly through but it's sort of incredibly cinematic and incredibly well well written and incredibly tight and it's like you know which which is better and i i I don't really know i think that maybe uncharted shows you that at the absolute top end and obviously naughty dog are like at the top end that that sort of game probably is better because even the biggest open world games like Grand Theft Auto actually yeah. have a load of flaws, don't they? Oh yeah, it's it's emotion as well. Emotion in, in the Uncharted games, the characters don't have that uncanny sort of uncanny valley look to them. Ah, uh-huh. you can see their eyes, and you can see what they're feeling, and you can sort of it's like Shenmue in that way, and that sort of yeah, sure. it's a much more personal, much more emotional game. Whereas something like GTA Five, which is a superb game. I think you don't really have that. I can understand what you're saying. Certainly, I think, you know, open world gaming, which, you know, like GTA, like, you know, Red Dead, fantastic games. And I love them. But Uncharted's focus, and I think the focus makes it just an exceptional experience. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there has to be, just to go back to what Rob said initially, which is better. I mean, I don't think you, you really need to say which is the best. I think no. you can just appreciate them both as kind of similar but different. I agree with you entirely. It's yeah. just, you know, that that is like a constant war isn't it yeah oh yeah yeah totally just uncharted 4 then mike yeah nothing really on the dream well, I, I bought the uncharted 4 special editions i got the statue of nathan mm. drake staring at me now <laughs> of course but, well, uh, where, yeah. where have you put the statue well at the current time it's next to my ps4 but it will go next to my um elder scrolls online my just cause 3 my uh witcher 3 figure i have a little thing for collecting limited <laughs> editions oh man that Witcher three, I saw that he's like killing the Griffin. Amazing, Griffin? yeah, yeah. Griffin, yeah. It's an amazing, amazing statue. Look great. It's really good. But apart from that, Dreamcast wise, no, I haven't bought much on Dreamcast. I haven't played much on Dreamcast. Um, I think I was trying to go through the shmups, obviously, from the last time. I sort of got a little bit addicted to them again. Yeah, but not much more really. I think I, I started to play Leman again last night. Oh yeah, nice. Because um, I do love my racing games. Nice one. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, really, Mike. I've not really bought anything recently. I have played a couple of games. Um, just for some articles. I wrote on the junkyard. I played um, Super Magnetic Neo quite a bit, and I also played Nightmare Creatures 2, which is quite lamentable, really, as far as <laughs> games go on the Dreamcast. <laughs> it's not much better than the PS1 version, and that was a bit of a nightmare. So, yeah, it's a pretty terrible game. So, yeah, Super Magnetic Neo is by far the better of the two that I've played recently. Um, it comes across as a kid's game, but it's anything yeah. but a kid's game. It's Tough. so like it's so cerebral. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a real brain teaser. And apart from those two on the Dreamcast, uh, I've been playing just like yourself, uh, Uncharted Three, because I got the Nathan Drake collection. Yep. I've been working my way through those steadily. I'm now up to Uncharted Three. I'm about halfway through that. A lot of people said it's not the best in the series. I actually think it's better than two, but that's just my that's just my opinion. Controversial, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I, t- I tell you what I liked about it. I liked the fact that because my my girlfriend, she's from Dorset. 
it and her family live quite near to where um to where Lawrence of Arabia is buried yeah. in in Dorset. So when he's going on about Lawrence of Arabia, he pulls out this map and it's this map of Dorset yeah. and I'm like, No way, it's Dorset. It's <laughs> it's actually like factual you know it's, it's showing the little towns of dorset and things i was like so i was told my girlfriend and she's like oh i want to see it i want to see it well i said i'm not going back to the beginning of the game just to show you this map yeah. you know that he's holding in a cutscene. but uh yeah i thought it was quite cool nice attention to detail yes anyway yeah apart from that uh not a lot really so yeah let's uh let's move on um to those people listening this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than usual and we're mainly going to focus on the the couple of news stories that have come out about the dreamcast in the last couple of weeks there's been there's been a couple, quite a few actually mm. um so it's more of a news recap really this episode and uh, i think what we'll do is we'll dive straight into the news after this You're back in the room. <laughs> yeah, so the first thing I want to talk about is uh, this last weekend, uh, the Dreamcast Junkyard was involved with another charity event. This one was held in Southampton, which, if you're not in the UK, is a city on the south coast. It's the place that the Titanic actually launched from. And if you go and watch the film Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio in it, you'll see a very badly realised version of Southampton docks at the beginning of the film, uh, full of cockneys, of course, even though people in Southampton don't talk like that. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was Southampton Game Fest. It was held in uh, in aid of the Southampton Hospital Charity. And, uh, yeah, it raised... I'm not, sure, I'm not sure exactly of the actual amount it raised, but it's definitely in the high hundreds and maybe even in thousands. But there was there were, like, you know, about 300 people, cosplayers. There was indie games, current gen. Uh, they had a big tournament, FIFA 16 tournament. They had Pokemon tournaments. It was just a really, really good event. And myself, and my two colleagues from Retro Collect, that was Martin and Stefan. We had this like whole area for retro games, but I kind of cornered off a little bit where the Dreamcasts were and has had that as our, the little Dreamcast junkyard section. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to report it was a, a fantastic event. It wasn't as busy as like some of these big ones like EGX or Play Manchester, but it was, you know, it, it, it was it was just it was just right. It wasn't too busy and it wasn't too quiet. And yeah, we got you know a good mix of people coming up and playing on the different retro consoles, but a lot of attention being paid to the Dreamcasts, especially, which was nice. A couple of little lads started playing on, uh, they were playing Ready to Rumble, and one of them, had, he, had, he had never seen a Dreamcast before, had no idea what it was. <laughs> and literally, like, 15 minutes later, they were both still sat there playing on Ready to Rumble, like, loving it, and it, I just thought that was that was brilliant. <clears throat> yeah, we had the VGA monitor set up, and, uh, I mean, there was a lot of people who'd never seen a Dreamcast, but also a lot of people who were aficionados of the console, and they were quite appreciative of the fact that we had the VGA set awesome. up with... Yeah. yeah, with some of the uh, some of the better VGA games like Guilty Gear X, for example. Oh. Quite a lot of people actually who listened to the DreamPod came up and said, "Oh, we listened to the DreamPod. It's it's really cool." So I want to say thank you to those people as well, just because it's nice to get some feedback from actual people in real life, you know, not just reviews online. And people who, uh, who actually read the site and who are members of the Facebook group. We had a couple of people asking about you, Rob, and your non-appearance on the on the DreamPod recently. <laughs> what can <laughs> I, I say? That people love me. They want more of me. They're like, "Where's Rob? We love him." <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh too hard, guys. Come on. 
I also had an interesting conversation with a guy called uh, Richard who runs a, a Metropolis Street Racer blog, and he was telling me he, he knows literally everything about MSR, and he always comments on the, the posts I put up in the junkyard about MSR when, when they come up. Uh-huh. And um, he was telling me about um, how the the developers of the game, they changed the handling model from the demo that's on the Dream On demo uh-huh. disc to the final game. So apparently the one on the Dream On demo disc plays a lot more like Project Gotham Racing. Uh-huh. So that's something I need to check out because he went into quite some intricacies, but I, I, I had my mind on, other, I was watching the consoles, other people were trying to talk to me. So I'm going to look at what he was telling me about this demo on the Dream On demo discs. can't remember which one it is, but I'll find it and I'll put an article together on the Junkyard cool. and see if I can actually find any differences between the handling models. So that was uh, that was interesting. But uh, yeah, overall, I know you guys weren't there, so I won't bore you too much more with it. But uh, yeah, really good event. Uh, and that was uh, yeah, Southampton Game Fest 2016. Fantastic little event. I mean, I, I saw the write-up. You've got a great write-up on the site, haven't you? So if anyone wants to see what it was like, then then they should read that. Yeah, definitely. Cheers for that, Rob. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, like I said, this one's going to be all about the news that's happening in the world of Dreamcast at the moment. And believe it or not, there's actually quite a lot. There's actually more news happening now than there was in the final days of Dreamcast <laughs> magazine because I've been looking through <laughs> some old issues the other day. And uh, yeah, we could actually fill the uh, the news section with all these stories. Like, have you actually <laughs> looked at the end? I, I, haven't, I haven't seen any of those magazines. Like, what is it? Is it just like page after page with like hay bales? Like, uh. you know, or like tumbleweed <laughs> <laughs> the later issues like con- concern themselves more with like games that come out on the next gen consoles and also um towards the, la- the-, the end of the run uh, because bear in mind this was the last magazine still going all the others had closed yeah. by that point so they were just kind of like recap issues yeah. of like these are the- these are the best driving games best 10 or- games best 10 fighting games yeah yeah, so there was not a lot of news, but um, yeah, this stuff is, uh, you know, like I say, more apt for those kind of issues. But let's dive straight into the first one, which is not old news now, it's still ongoing, but uh, Xenosider ah. from our good friends uh, at Retro Summers, uh, the Kickstarter has launched. And yeah, I've, I mean, I've backed it. They're asking for $92,000. Uh, they're currently at 22000 mm. And there's 16 days to go. I'm hoping there'll be a late spurt and it'll get funded. But I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah. What have you back? You backed it, haven't you? I have. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, on this kind of slowdown in funding? Well, I think we all went through this with Shenmue last year, didn't we? I think it's a very high target. Set. I agree. It's a very high target. I was surprised. I didn't even look at the target when I first backed it because I, I was going to back it no matter what. Yeah, same. same. But 92 is so it's a very very high figure. I think. It'd be great to, to think that we could do it. How, do you know how many actual backers they've got? Uh, they've got about 350 See, now, That's I not believe. bad. That's not bad at all. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, the game definitely deserves it. From what I've seen, it looks it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, last week they released a new demo, yes. which includes a, a, a like a, re, a reworked kind of homage to Space Harrier, which is actually based on Space Harrier, which is really that cool. That was amazing. Yeah. I think... It's, I think, it, yeah. I think the the pessimist in me says it's too much. Yeah, I don't want to shit on Carlos's project because it's it's amazing. I love it, but yeah, I mean, because didn't Alice Dreams only get was it twenty five thousand? Yes, it was quite a small amount, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the Who Cast games got similar sort of amounts as well, didn't they? Yeah, I, I suppose you have to bear in mind though is that they're, they're actually releasing this on PC and on 3DS, so that's maybe why the, the the amount is so high. I think they've come they've come at this like in the exact proper way they should yeah. do. It's amazing, like they've got video, they've got imagery, they've got a playable demo, mm. like 
here's a great example, right? There was uh, John Romero's and Carmax, Adrian Carmax, new um, kickstarted FBS bl- Blacklist or Blacklight? Blacklight. Yeah, yeah. And this was like literally a week or so ago, and they came and they had nothing. Like, there's no images from the game, there's no demo, there's no video, there's just some concept art, and this sort of cheesy video of, of Carmack and Adrian messing around, pretending to be in Star Wars. And they brought nothing to the Kickstarter. Now, admittedly, that went and got quite a lot of money out the gate, probably just because of, well, probably because of the Ro- names, the names yeah. Romero's, Romero's name in particular. Yeah. But they canned that incredibly fast. Like, I don't know how many days it was up, like five days and but oh, they cancelled it yeah like it was oh, up wow. for five days i forget the figure it made quite quite a lot of money though in those first five days but then i think they must have like uh run run the numbers going ahead and sort of and, and looked at models on kickstarts to realize that they were not going to make enough money in that circumstance you go well you're probably not going to make enough money because you've not actually come to kickstarter with enough information for the people mm. who are giving you money in this case, like they've gone like over and above. Yeah. Like I've ba- I have backed a lot of projects. Like I backed the Carmageddon reincarnation thing on basically some images. I backed Project Eternity. I backed uh, the new Broken Sword, Broken Sword Five, The Serpent's Curse, and I backed all that on less information and actual assets than I've got here with Xenocider. So I think they've done the exact right thing. I just think that figure is is massive. It's massive for such, um, dare I say it, a, a niche a niche title. I don't think it helps that we've got, there's, there's two other games at least, which are, are not being released yet, that people have backed. So obviously people have paid for Slave, that still hasn't been released yet. Yeah, people sure, obviously yeah. paid for for um, Alistair's tournament. I think if, if they yeah. weren't around, if they weren't being currently still worked on, I think perhaps even more would be to Xenocider. I hope they get it. I really do because it, it's. I think it would be a massive, massive loss if they weren't to get it. Oh, it'd be an incredible loss. It'd be just a well, not a disaster, but it'd be really disappointing. I mean, some of the some of the goals that they've uh, added to the Kickstarter are really, really cool as well. I mean, you've got like you know, you've got. Um, bespoke dreamcasts with like xenocider yeah, logos yeah. on them you've got you, you can have your face put into the game i know scott was trying to start a <laughs> campaign to get me put into the game so you could shoot I my contrib- face i contribute to that i contribute to it as well i mean I, I have to say i had i had no input on that i saw it came up on my it, i looked at facebook it said you've got this many notifications and i clicked on the dreamcast junkie i paid i'm like what the hell is that it's, my facing is Enocider. Like, <laughs> cheers, Scott. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I really do hope they, they make it. And um, hopefully, people listening to this, you've not backed it yet. You know, you can go on to Kickstarter, just type Xenocider and, uh, you know, hopefully, or do even just the word Dreamcast and you'll find it through the search box. Or look at the Dreamcast Junkyard and search for it. You'll find all the links on there. If there's anyone on Kickstarter who deserves your money, then it's these guys. We all play games. Why don't we play together? Dreamcast, up to six billion players. Moving on to the next story, uh, just to, this is kind of Kickstarter uh, related as well, but not like hundred percent. But Alice Dreams Tournament, which is the game Mike referenced earlier, which is also a Kickstarter and still not been released. Uh, it was meant to ship in June, I believe, and it's been released on another Kickstarter update yesterday, or uh, the 22nd yep. of May, that it's now not going to ship in June. Uh, there's no actual release date given, 
However, I did message them on Facebook and ask if they had a, you know, a projected date because I wanted to be able to take it to Clay Manchester in October. And they, they assured me that it'd be done by then. So it's just, it's just a, a waiting game, really, which, you know, fair enough. They've got other things to, to, to add and implement. They, they did give some reasons for this, uh, this delay. And that is that, you know, they need to work on the making of video that they promised to backers. Uh, they've also got a couple of different things that they need to implement with the yeah. VMU functionality and just other assorted bugs and things that need ironing out. It's not all bad though because they've also added a new play mode which is called paint bomb mode and I don't know if you remember do you remember Tony Hawk skating? Yeah. Obviously Tony Hawk's yeah, skating. Yeah sure. There's a there's a mode in that called graffiti where it's like two player mode and you have to like do tricks off different ramps and things and if you do it it changes to your color yep. and then at the end of the game whoever's got the most ramps in their color wins the game it's kind of like that but you, you use the the bombs as, as like paint and you have to like kind of paint over the kind of like Splatoon do you know what I mean yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the environment so it's kind of like a play on that really which is cool that's a new play mode and also I think the most interesting thing that I've seen in a new game for the Dreamcast recently or in any game really is they've they've actually implemented QR codes yeah. So so that when you get a high score in the game, you can this QR code will pop up on the screen. You can take, you can use the QR scanner on your phone. I think it's Android and iOS, and I'm not sure if any other devices are compatible with it as yet. But um, you can scan the code on the screen, and it will automatically upload your your score to the online leaderboard. That's cool. Which I think's really cool. Yeah. You know, to be integrating like new technology what didn't even exist when the Dreamcast launched yeah. into this kind of game is really brilliant. I think. That's it's the same as when when Sturmwind came out with the the SD card mm. compatibility. It's like thinking outside the box, you know, not yeah. just being restricted to doing. I know the Dreamcast home indie scene's got a lot of sort of criticism for being just shmup after shmup, mm. and I think we've got so many games out now, and our streams tournament's one of them. Where they're using the 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 functionality they're thinking about with the VMUs is amazing. The whole nighttime. Oh yeah, with the uh, the little lamp. Yeah, and I think Brilliant. yeah that that was yeah that was like a um, was that like a concept? I mean, I've not really seen anything more of that to be honest. I mean, and I I, I, I could really I could I could go without it if it meant the game would come <laughs> sooner. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, if, if it is something that they, they bring out for the game, then you know all power to them because it's a uh, I love uh, a little bit of innovation. Yeah, certainly in the uh, in the Dreamcast indie world, it's uh, it's all kicking off. Indeed. On the on the subject again of indie games, this new one that as yet doesn't have a name. It's uh, it's well, I've been I've been calling it the unnamed FPS. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the story that we put up on the junkie. Had a few, I think it's probably a few months ago mm. now. It was this image of a. Uh, it looks a bit like a bank heist with these characters with like clown mask faces. Yeah, on. I do. Yeah. And yeah, uh, the guy, the guy who's developing it, this guy called Phenom. He uh, he's actually released a new video on his YouTube channel showing some uh, some new footage of the game engine. They were using the Quake Three engine, but now apparently they've moved away to a new bespoke engine uh, because they were having issues with like um, collision detection and lighting and things like that. So they've moved to a new bespoke engine. And yeah, the video is is showing off some really impressive character models, animation, lighting effects. Have you guys seen the video? Yes. Yeah. What do you think? Well, the video I've seen is is the 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 as you say like the um the clown guys with with the with the shotgun running on the spot standing on the spot is that the video we're talking about no no this is a new one that came actually i think it was late last week and it basically just shows obviously how they've some of the issues they were having with the quake 3 originated engine oh, right. and how they've moved to a new engine and it's basically just a kind of a mock-up really they're in the same kind of environment that's shown in the other near the video but you can actually move around freely he's got a weapon it does look, it looks like it is going to be a first person shooting up now and it also showed some collision detection with the um with the other models that were in the environment so he would shoot them and they would fall and 
die. And also, one of the most interesting things is that it has a third-person view as well. So it kind of zooms out and it kind of like over-the-shoulder kind of viewpoint. And the animation looks really cool. And, you know, he, he says in the video, his narration is that, you know, this is basically, it's, it's only a test, it's a proof concept, but we're, we're going to make a game with this. And, uh, you know, more details to come. I think it's, it's already been snapped up by Goldstar, I believe, but they've signed an NDA. It means they can't really say anything about what it's going to oh, be ah. or what the game's going to be called or anything like that. So, Feed the goat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, feed the goat. Yeah. <laughs> You're not making a really obscure reference to ex Manchester City striker Sean, Sean Goater, Goater are you? <laughs> feed the goat and he will score. <laughs> wow. I don't think I ever be on a podcast with Sean Goater being referenced. That's an interesting what a striker. Uh... No, he was terrible. Terrible. He was awful. He, was, he, he played. For, he played for Bristol City, and I refused to accept anything he played for Bristol City. The thing is, he was that he became a legend, wasn't he? Because of Soccer AM. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Speaking of um, speaking of random like footballers from yesteryear, <laughs> well, not really yesteryear. I I was walking down the road this morning, and I, I, I swear I thought I saw Dimitar Berbatov stood at a bus stop. <laughs> he, he was he was stood there. This guy was stood there, like, and he, he well, he, he obviously wasn't him because he had a, a little shopping bag. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And he was dressed in a, a Chelsea tracksuit. So, but he just looked the spits of Berbatov. Uh, for those people listening who are not interested in football, who don't have a clue who Sean Goater is or Dimitar Berbatov, we apologise. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just uh, something that interested me this morning. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so this, uh, this, Venom yeah, and uh, the new shooter, yeah, yeah. Going back to the Dreamcast, yeah, this game it looks really good. If you want to see more footage of it, you can go onto YouTube and just type. I think he's called it. 2016 Dreamcast Engine, mm-hmm. just search for that, uh-huh. or you can go as ever onto the Dreamcast Junkyard main blog and you'll see the uh, the footage reproduced with permission. I wonder if any other Sega like, fan sites actually go to the effort of getting permission before they put stuff up on their, on their sites. I don't know. We do, just in case you're, uh, you're wondering, mm. but uh, that's, uh, that's another story. Uh, before I get sidetracked too much, I'll, uh, I'll move on to the next thing. Now, mainstream games, websites, love them or hate them, Whenever a Dreamcast-related story pops up, it seems to go viral yeah, like a motherfucker. And even though we put out this stuff on a daily basis almost, uh, we don't get anything like the hits or exposure that sites like IGN or Videogamer.com get, or even like Eurogamer. Like Eurogamer is one of the bigger ones, and they ran a story at the weekend, which was written by the ex-editor of DC UK magazine, Keith Stewart. And the story focuses on the time that he, whether he was, you know, ill-advised or not, is open to debate. Uh, he, when he was editor of DC UK, decided to put a Daytel cheat disc on the front of the issue. And it was the, I believe it was the, I've done a little bit of searching. There's no reference to which ep- issue it was in the article. But I believe it was the July 2000 issue 11 of DC UK yep. came with this disc on the front. Am I right? Is I think right? it is, yeah. It's summer of 2000, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, what this game, what this disc, you know, allowed you to do inadvertently uh, was to bypass the Dreamcast's regional lockout, so you could play Japanese and American games in a UK Dreamcast, and and vice versa. And this led to Keith and the magazine being uh, blacklisted by Sega, by which I mean frozen out from all future, you know, press uh, press releases or new information from Sega themselves. Uh, and it's, it's a really, it's a really fascinating article, I must say. Um, and uh, did you guys see this? 
I, I did, did. I read it. Yeah. 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 Um, it was really cool. Uh, as I, what, I, what I was initially hinting at at the beginning of this ramble that I'm going on was that um, whenever a story comes up about the Dreamcast, it seems to get really, really popular. And this one is, you know, it's, it's up there with like the, the biggest and most popular stories on on Eurogamer at the moment, and, and rightly so, really, because it's a, it's a really interesting story. Now, the reason I bring this up is because on Twitter, I actually butted in rather rudely to a, uh, a three-way conversation between Keith Stewart, Eurogamer, and a guy who used to write for Dreamcast magazine called Martin Mathers. He was the, he was the games editor on... Uh, he was indeed, yeah. Yeah, on Dreamcast magazine. And I said, oh, didn't, didn't Dreamcast magazine do something like this as well? And then Martin was like, oh, no, we never had a, we never had a cover disc. I was like, um, I think you did. And I took a picture of mine that I have, which is the same as the thing that DC UK released yep. um, but sometime later. And he was like, oh, I forgot about that. You know, we did. And then that led to a big conversation between myself, Martin Mathers, and Keith Stewart about cover discs. And it was just really, really cool and really interesting to speak to the guys who actually were at the forefront of Dreamcast like, publications back in the yeah. day. Just for the people who are listening, the fact fans who are listening, the Dreamcast magazine one was actually released on the cover of issue 24, which was July 2001, so almost a year later. And it allowed to do the same kind of thing. It was an exploder cheat disc. But yeah, guys, what, what's your opinion on this story? I, just, I mean, I find it fascinating personally that they could even get away with doing something like that. Well, I, I, I can't comment on Piss and Sega off because obviously uh, <laughs> we don't want to go down that route again. Um, no, no, we don't. It's, a, it's an interesting story. Uh, it's I think it shows how careful the magazines back in the time had to be before the internet really took off as well. It was uh, interesting to see because it, it, it almost seemed like he was talking about a time just between the sort of old 16-bit magazines where everything was probably through the post and the new age where everything pretty much is internet-based. It was interesting. Well, you, Rob, what did you think? I think it's interesting you something just uh, something Mike just said about the old like the old the old ways and like the modern mm. age. I I read this story and obviously I, I've had I was nowhere near as close to the centre of the Dreamcast sort of uh, journalism scene as these guys, but I've I've got a I've got a history in journalism. Mm. And um I definitely think this story does sit very much in in this weird like limbo state between like the old days of video gaming and the yeah. new. I think like in the in the late eighties and the early nineties and even the mid nineties and late nineties, it was a bit of a wild west, and it was sort of all very. Um, I don't want to say like uh, you were freer and less constrained. Yeah. Everyone, it was sort of like less regulated. There was less. It wasn't such big business as it is today. And reading this story about how the chap, you know, he he, he got the, he, he put this disc on the front of the magazine, and like I can under like piracy was a huge thing in the 90s like let's not forget here let's not forget that sony established itself and again people may disagree with me but i think it's pretty pretty plain that sony part of the reason why they came to dominate the 90s and really established themselves with the playstation the playstation 2 specifically the playstation was that they courted piracy they didn't do it officially of course but i mean everyone can remember right how you could get your console chipped just down the road at the local news agents how you could you know anyone could burn you know a pirated copy of a video game yeah and it meant that they could grow very fast a hardware base because people knew that it was like, oh i'll get it chipped and i can get games for a fraction of the price and it helped them in this circumstance when did you say this was summer 2000 yeah july 2000 i think things have changed i think they're on the cusp of changing like that idea that you would give away on the front of a magazine imagine today someone giving away some sort of technology that allows you to play import games or pirated games like 
there would be absolute uproar. Yeah. And I think this story here, I think if it had been four or five years earlier, there wouldn't have been anywhere near as much trouble as there was. Yeah, like a disc where you could play kind of uh, imported Mega CD games on your uh, UK Mega, <laughs> Mega CD. I don't think anyone would have given a toss, would they? No one will have given a toss, but I think with the Dreamcast, specifically with Sega's perilous... I mean, no one knew at the time, but with Sega's perilous financial state, I think they, you know, no wonder they were furious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They have actually updated the article since uh, it was published, saying that uh, it didn't allow you to run pirated games. It was only import yeah. games because it, it it bypassed the region lockout, uh, but it didn't allow you to play pirated games. That's something you can't do today. Mm. How hard is it to play import titles today? I can't just. I mean, you can. I know that there's ways to set up like you want to set up a Japanese PlayStation Store account. Yeah, you can do that. And you can set up your connection so it sort of tricks it into believing that you're in the middle of Tokyo or something. But you can't, can you? You can't just go out. I mean, some systems have no region lock, but the vast majority, they want you to buy the games in your territory for the official RRP. Yeah, I think that was that was the main thing in the article that he said that really kind of pissed Sega Europe off because they wanted people to be playing the games that they were putting out in the UK, not going and getting import games, you know, <laughs> these weird and wonderful... Because back then, I mean, import games was like a weird kind of... I don't know about you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know you guys are kind of like more savvy on this kind of thing than I am. But back then, it was kind of like it was like a weird mystical world of like, oh, new Japanese import games. Yeah, it was, it was it was a mystical world for me until a few years ago. I'm I'm, I'm very <laughs> late to the party. I I got my first. I think I bought I bought a bundle of Dreamcast stuff about about four or five years ago now. Um, and every single import game I th- before that I had. You know, I literally had two and a half thousand games in my collection. You know, I was a massive retro collector. I bought every single console. Didn't have a single import game did not have a single import game because I just, I just didn't even contemplate it. It would seem something so ridiculously mm. exotic, I suppose, the word. Yeah. 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 Even yeah, sure. to me exotic in my sort word. of older old age, I was gonna say, then that's that's awful. Um in my in my <laughs> older state, it still seemed really odd. Now it's you know second nature to me as my Japanese Dreamcast yeah. collection shows. I think you're right. I think exotic is the word and I think that the still there is still that hangover. Like I think I'm still more turned on by imports mm. than I am native territories because how I was programmed when I was a child. Because when I would go into the local news agents who did like rental video games or something, or I went down to uh, I don't know Planet Games or wherever, um, or one of these independent stores that you don't get so much so, so much yeah. anymore, and you'd have those import titles and they were always more expensive. They had often they had amazing box art, yeah, or, like weird yeah. weird shaped boxes, and as a child those sort of things really like got you you know like and equally because you were a child often you couldn't afford them it was a fact that you couldn't they were so inaccessible made you want them more kind of thing exactly yeah, yeah at exactly. least it's, it is intoxicating once you get once you get bitten by the important because <laughs> i was a, i was back. a pc gamer for so long <laughs> and pc gaming import imports of pc games don't really especially nowadays it no. doesn't doesn't make any sense really to have this whole no. library that's the reason i wrote the guide for god's sake was to actually sort of mm. get all these games listed um and i still know i haven't got a saturn anymore because i sold it stupidly but um the, the thought I, I need to get a japanese saturn and some japanese games again because it's just yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it just seems to be an upper tier of collecting you know what i mean you've got people who just buy games and you've got people or play games i should say and you have people who do the research and buy these mystical 
packages of Japanese greatness. Mike, what you should have been doing is getting down, getting yourself down to the newsagents in um, in July two thousand, and getting you know issue eleven of DC UK. The whole world could have been exactly. opened up to you back then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyone listening to this who wants to uh, wants to read the article we're talking about, I will put a link on the Dreamcast Junkyard page that this episode will be found on. And so you can go and have a read of it. And uh, yeah, thanks very much to Keith Stewart for chatting to me as well, because we did have a bit of a back and forward on Twitter and he was a really nice guy. And uh, yeah. Watch this. I can play. Yes. I can beat this thing. Excellent, excellent. Guys, I think that's pretty much going to be it for this episode. I know I said it was going to be a short one. Uh, as ever, uh, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for you know downloading the episode or listening online. Uh, I will also be putting all of the back issues or back episodes onto our YouTube channel for you to listen to. So you can find them on uh, youtube.com forward slash the Dreamcast Junkyard or whatever it is. Just type Dreamcast Junkyard into YouTube. You'll find them all on there. And uh, as ever, you can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher and on... I don't know why I'm telling you this. You're already listening to the episode, so I don't know, you know <laughs> what the point is. But we need iTunes reviews. Yep. Go on iTunes and give us a review. God damn it. Reviewers, come on. <laughs> uh, also, I want to say a quick thank you to all the people who have backed us so far on Patreon. I don't know if that's the right word. Is it backed or patroned or whatever it is? I'm just going to quickly read them out. It's James Steele, Sean Robinson, Dan Patton... DCGX, uh, I hope that's not his birth name, uh, Spencer Johnson, Garrett Otto, Chris Unwin, Alexander Padilla, or Padilla um, Jason Cavers, Brandon Aaron, Alex Hirsch, and John Thompson. Thank you all so much for going onto the Patreon and you know donating a dollar. Totally excellent. Yeah, really appreciate yeah. that. And uh, yeah, you can find us on, uh, you can find us all on Twitter. Uh, Rob, you're on Twitter at R Nicholas J. That's R Nicholas J, all one word. And you can find Mike on Twitter at space underscore turnip. Space underscore turnip. Space underscore turnip. And, <laughs> and you can find me at Tom Lee C. Or you can find us at the DC Junkyard. And of course, you can find us on Facebook.com, the Dreamcast Junkyard. Join our group if you want to come and talk about Dreamcast stuff with us and everybody else who's in the group. It's a really good, fun group. And also, you can find us on our blog, which is www.dreamcastjunkyard.co.uk. And that will pretty much do it for episode 32 of the world's greatest Dreamcast podcast called DreamPod. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Please stop this disc now. 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 Now.